0: Welcome to Circonomy, the Connecticut Economic Resource Center's podcast, where we share insights into strategies, initiatives, and programs to help grow and support Connecticut's economy. Circ offers a complete range of services and assistance to build your local economy, make informed decisions, find location opportunities, and grow businesses. Learn more about Circ Cirque at Circ.com. That's C E R C.com. Good morning. This is Courtney Hendrickson, Vice President of Municipal Services at CERC. And with me today is Rachel Grettencord, our Financial and Research Analyst. Welcome, Rachel. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. Looking forward to chatting with you today, Rachel, about our time that we spent together last week at the CCM, Connecticut Conference of Municipalities Annual Convention, where we had a great Mm -hmm. session. We presented on an outlook of the Connecticut economy, and that's your part, and then talking about how municipalities can leverage that information to help their own businesses in their community Mm -hmm. so to kick it off um i just would like to jump into a bunch of questions rachel that draw out some of the information that you presented at ccm and i'll start with sort of just basically how is the economy doing in the u.s right now
1: well um the economy has been growing steadily in recent years um i think most people feel um you know, have felt that uh, you know in their personal lives as well. Um, although economists do anticipate that growth to slow somewhat in uh, coming up in 2020, um, part of that is driven by um, the economy kind of returning to you know more of a baseline level of growth as the temporary boost from the 2017 tax cuts kind of diminishes. Uh, over time, um, and we're also seeing some slowing in the manufacturing sector uh, due to prolonged uncertainty regarding trade negotiations and tariffs, uh, which has led to an increased, uh, I'm sorry, a decreased investment in, in manufacturing. Um, the services sector has been largely impacted by that. Um, but that said, uh, employment has been growing pretty steadily. Um, unemployment is low, um, household incomes um, in conjunction with that have been rising. Um, And other than the sell-off at the beginning of last year, uh, the stock market has seen pretty uh, stable, steady growth. And, you know, all of those are good for consumer confidence. So, um, you know, some people have started to make noise about, you know, some slowing of the economy. But, uh, you know, I think in general, people should be feeling uh, pretty good about it right now.
0: Good. Thank you. That's a good big Mm -hmm. picture for us. Rachel, tell us a little bit more about the manufacturing piece that you just mentioned. I know how important manufacturing is to the state of Connecticut. What's going on there for our state?
1: Uh, Yeah, absolutely. Um, You know, people may not be aware, but manufacturing is actually the third largest component of Connecticut's GDP. And it's also the the fourth largest industry sector in terms of employment in the state. So it is definitely, you know, very important to Connecticut. Um, and the industry is already seeing a lot of transitions, um, primarily due to things like automation and advances in technology. Um, you know some of those like three d printing, have shortened the product development timeline, uh, which is a fantastic thing for our state's manufacturers. Um, But, you know, there's some other trends happening, such as automation, which is causing major shifts in the types of skills needed to keep manufacturers up and running. So, you know, workforce and training continues to be a really major issue for a lot of these companies. And um, while manufacturing is one of our major industries, um, unfortunately, that sector has been a lot of GDP growth in recent years.
0: Rachel, I remember you saying at the CCM workshop that, it's not really about fewer jobs. It's really mm-hmm. just more about different jobs in manufacturing. So looking at, to your point, about the different skill sets and the different training that's going to be required.
1: Exactly. With, you know, with the automation, um, it's going to be more and more important to have um, employees who are, you know, first of all, building the uh, machinery that is used in those in those sectors. Um, and then people who are um, trained and skilled in knowing how to maintain it, as well as um, you know, for example, developing software and things like that, um, that all of those machines will use. So um, you know the manufacturing really is a lot a lot more high tech these days, and it's not uh, you know, I, I think you know probably fifty years ago, a lot of people would have considered a lot of manufacturing to be unskilled labor, and that's just not the case anymore.
0: That's neat. And I thought the most exciting and interesting part of your entire presentation was all about the different trends in the different industries, such Mm -hmm. as what we just talked about in manufacturing. So tell us a little bit more about some of the different trends in the other industries that are impacting Connecticut.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, Well, professional and business services, which is our um, second largest industry in terms of employment, um, are also seeing major changes. Um, you know, a lot of those are also driven by technology, um, faster computing, uh, the need for data storage and, and data security are obviously huge. Um, that, you know, that impacts everything from small businesses and startups all the way up to, you know, some of our major banks and insurers um, so, you know, basically every company and even individual, um, you know, that's that's a bigger and bigger concern. So, um, you know, while that can represent challenges, particularly for smaller companies, um, you know, it's also going to present a lot of opportunity and, um, you know, information and IT is one uh, industry sector that's, uh, you know, among the fastest growing uh, in the state and nationally. Um, another major is the aging of the population you know that's certainly happening at a national level but it's especially pronounced in Connecticut um and this also impacts everything from um you know companies whose workforce might be aging and uh they need to train new employees to, re- to replace those who are uh, coming up on retirement age um or even owners who who might be ready to retire and need to start thinking about things like succession planning. Um, you know, are they handing the company off to someone in the family? Are they going to sell? Um, you know, in some cases it might mean the company shutting the doors. If there isn't any plan in place. And that's certainly uh, an outcome that we'd like to avoid. <laughs> um, and it also means that uh, healthcare is going to continue to be a growing industry in the foreseeable future. Um, you know, healthcare education and social assistance is already a, Connecticut's largest industry by employment. Um, And, uh, you know, we anticipate that's going to continue to grow with um, the changing demographics of the population.
0: That's um, really interesting, Rachel. And I'm going to get into a little bit of how local leaders can actually Mm -hmm. leverage some of those trends in a minute. But before we do that, I actually wanted to ask you more about people not only aging which you just mentioned but also Mm -hmm. leaving the state Mm -hmm. so what is all that demographic shift all about for us in Connecticut
1: (laughs) yeah that's a really good question Courtney and I mean there's certainly been a lot of talk in in certain areas about um, you know that Connecticut has a net out migration domestically so more people are leaving Connecticut to move to other states that are moving from other states to Connecticut. Um, and there's been you know, a lot of concern about that, I would say, in, in recent months and years. Um, but that trend has actually been true for quite a long time. Um, even looking back to, you know, we did a kind of pre-recession comparison to the 2004 to 2007 period. And that was the case then as well. Um, interestingly, a lot of that um, out-migration domestically is offset by an in-migration of people arriving from international locations. Um, and then another thing that's contributing to the slightly declining uh, population in the state is that the number of births has also gone down since that kind of pre-recession 2004 to 2007 period. Um, so all of those impacts have contributed to a slight decline in the population overall. Um, but I think it's also really interesting to look at who is arriving and leaving, um, as you as you alluded to. Um, by age, the groups with the largest out-migration are 18 to 19-year-olds. Uh, so college-age kids, and then, uh, again, those who are over age 50, Um, so as, you know, people start to get older, thinking about retirement and that type of thing, uh, they leave the state. Um, Among groups of children under age 18 and working-age folks from, like, age 20 to 49, uh, all of those groups have a net in-migration, so we're gaining more residents in those age groups than we're losing, uh, you know, which is good for the workforce. So
0: it's that's really uh, cool it's, when you dig down into the <laughs> actual specifics there. There's a lot of myth busting that's going on. I think when you hear the media just saying everyone's exiting the state on mass, it's really not true when you look at the details.
1: Exactly. It's, it, it's, a, it's a really interesting pattern and you know, certainly something that deserves our attention, but uh, you know, um, perhaps not as um, cataclysmic as some people want to uh, make it out to be. Exactly. Mm
0: -hmm. Thank you so much, Rachel. And I'm going to jump in here with sort of what do we do with this information at the local level? So speaking yeah. really to our local community leaders and saying, this is a lot of great information. How can I actually use it to better my community? So we're thinking, for example, as you mentioned about the professional and business services sector being one of our biggest, that's a lot of startups. What are we doing in our communities to support our startups and our entrepreneurs? Do we have co-working space, for example? Do we have some technical assistance that we can offer them when it comes to growing their business and scaling that? Thinking about the healthcare trends that you mentioned, that's a growing industry, and we're seeing more healthcare spaces being put into our traditional retail areas and uh, medical office as well, going into some of our either vacant spaces in retail areas or other sort of strip shopping centers, which is not what it was, you know, when it used to all be at a hospital or just a traditional doctor's office. When we think about retail, for example, in general, we're seeing much more demand for experiential retail. I know you and Alyssa have talked about this on a previous mm-hmm. podcast, but yes. it's really mm-hmm. critical in terms of getting feet on the street in c- terms of seeing the vitality in our downtowns that we have things for people to actually do. So whether that's a brewery, whether that's a trampoline park, whether that's a paint and sip kind of uh, store, it's, it's more than just going into sort of your old traditional you know, clothing store or sporting goods store, which are also still critical to the mix, but are generally not doing quite as well as our restaurants, our bars, and other experiential ground floor retail. And we talked again about the manufacturing and the new jobs and the new skills that will be required there. And so towns really need to be partnering with their universities, with their community colleges, even with their high schools and middle schools to say, Are you exposing these students to these skills and these training opportunities to go into manufacturing, which to your point was, is a totally different world than it was even a decade or two ago. So Mm -hmm. there's so many cool opportunities with AI and robotics and STEM training that is just really going to turn into great jobs. And it starts at the local level when we partner with folks that can really train our workforce in the right ways. So generally what I say to our local leaders when talking about all of these trends and how to sort of bring them down to their level is go back to the idea of really the best practice local economic development wise, which is retain your businesses, meaning go and meet them, know who they are, visit them, pat them on the back, tell them you care that they're in their community, you know, make policy that supports them. All of those kinds of things is good retention, And make sure you know when they're wanting to expand and make sure you can help accommodate them. So if you visit with a business who says, gee, we're growing and we'd love to be able to get into a new space here in town in the next five years, go out and find those available spaces. Go back to them and say, we did some homework for you. We'd love to see you here, here, or here. And we'd like to accommodate you by making sure that our zoning regulations accommodate what you're trying to do. And our regulatory process is laid out for you in a predictable and consistent way for you to be able to expand. All of that is what folks can be doing at the local level to make sure that they're leveraging in a positive way all of these really critical trends in our key industry sectors in the state. We talked about entrepreneur support and business creation. And then again, I never want to lose the thread of the quality of Life, The character of our communities, which is so critical every community in this state 169 different towns and cities all with a unique character And that does become a part of true economic development making sure that folks understand that each one is unique and celebrating that because that really Translates into actually into commercial tax base when we celebrate and encourage that critical character In our communities. So looking at economic development locally, again, a different way, but to say, invest in the physical value, make sure that you're beautifying, make sure that you're enhancing natural resources, you know, doing plantings, doing, um, walk, Walking paths around your lakes and rivers to add benches, lighting, trash receptacles, all those kinds of things. You can get grants for those. You can certainly get grants for remediating brownfields and other sort of land use challenges that our towns are struggling with. Make sure you have signage and wayfinding. Certainly make sure you have a public safety component that's visible. People feel safe. They want to come to your place. They want to spend money. They want to start their business there. They want to have their family there. All of that is, of course, inherent in the fact that it's safe and inviting. When we talk about social value and increasing that, we're talking about engaging our residents and businesses. And this can be done through community events. This can be done through patting on the back and rewarding and recognizing those businesses and property owners that are trying to do the right thing. So if they're investing in a redevelopment of an old building in the downtown, let's say, make sure that the mayor goes out and shakes their hand or gives them an annual award at a small ceremony to show that, you know, again, we care that you're here. We want you to grow and thrive here. And it shows other businesses in the community as well that, gee, they're doing the right thing. I'd love to have that same kind of recognition. I think I'll do the right thing as well asking them what they want, you know, doing it through sort of traditional formats of surveying and focus groups, or just putting forums together or big sort of poster boards in the town hall that just say, what do you guys want to see here in town? Just again, that engagement piece is so critical. And then that economic value we're increasing. So we're increasing physical value, social value, and now economic value is that's about bringing private investment dollars into our community. And the ways we can do that is to certainly engage with the commercial real estate and development community. Make sure they know about our towns and what our visions are for our towns and help them. Again, help them. You have the same goals as them to fill empty buildings and empty parcels with a long-term sustainable use. You all share the same goals as community leaders and commercial real estate industry professionals. So work together to get that to happen. I, I encourage the towns to understand what their reputation is as an applicant or a developer or an investor wants to come in and do a project, you know, are they business friendly? Is their land use regulatory process streamlined? Is their regulations accommodating the kinds of new uses that we're seeing? I mean, we didn't touch on a lot of these in the industry trends, but certainly we're seeing food trucks. We're seeing goat yoga. We're seeing uh, parkour wanting to come in to some of our industrial parks. You know, a lot of our zoning regulations in our towns around the state are just not up to date in terms of accommodating some of those uses. So our local leaders can be doing that. They can be making sure, because permitting is so critical to their reputation, that they are actually going through their regulations and their regulatory process itself to be sure that it has the reputation that it needs to have these projects done successfully. And then I just pointed out to the community that we were with at CCM, You know, the towns that are doing it right are accessing all kinds of data, which Rachel, you and your group certainly have access to and can be helpful getting mm-hmm. for towns. But you know, again, sort of what's the who are the top taxpayers? Who what's your vacancy rates in your commercial and in this industry sectors? You know, understanding what those are is really critical for them to be able to invite private investment dollars. Um, doing that proactive economic development that we just talked about and making sure that their businesses know that they care that they're here. So that was really in a nutshell what we talked about at CCM. And I think that the attendees really appreciated that we connected the dots between Mm -hmm. not only did they walk away with a really good understanding of how our state economy is doing and again, cutting through some of those myths, but then also, okay, what can I do today or this week or this year in my community to take advantage of the good news and mitigate some of the less good news there. So I hope that that was helpful to our attendees.
1: Yeah, definitely. And Courtney, I think everyone appreciated, too, that um, they walked away with some concrete, not only concrete um, ideas and skills, but um, areas in which to focus. Um, You know, a lot of towns are small. They don't have a ton of resources. And so understanding where they can best focus their energies and efforts, you know, what are the things that the town should be doing And what are the things that, you know, should be done more, you know, through CERC or at the state level or things like that, um, I think is, was one of the key takeaways that a lot of attendees um, got from that session. And you were really, uh, you know, really instrumental in helping them to understand how they can most effectively utilize those limited resources.
0: That's great. Yeah, I would say it was a resounding success. Rachel, thank you so much for taking the time with me this morning to talk through and keep up the great work. Yeah. likewise, it was a pleasure, Courtney. Thanks. Take care. Thanks for listening to Circonomy and be sure to visit circ.com to join the conversation, access the show notes and discover bonus content until next time.